Alright guys, so um, I just want to kind of give you guys a brief update. If you haven't been to transformcda.com, um, it's our website, transformcda.com. We have a, a link on the front page with just kind of a, a COVID-19 update, um, giving you the information that we aren't going to be gathering right now, that we're seeking the Lord in prayer, that we're um, kind of our reasoning behind not being together um, this morning corporately, um, but doing this digitally instead. So I guess physically not together, but digitally together. Um, and so if you guys need any more information on that, I want to encourage you to go to our website and just read that. Um, it definitely expresses our heart as a ministry team and our leadership team has met. And we just um, want to best serve our body and, and take care of them. So um, hoping that over the coming weeks, if things do deteriorate in our area, that um, our ministry team can stay healthy so that we can mobilize and get out there and help people and um, be a part of um, the relief effort and bring um, food and supplies to people if we can. So we are um, just praying that the Lord would open doors for us when, when those things are needed and that we can be ready to do that for you guys. So um, just to kind of give you a rundown of things that are not going to be happening in the coming weeks, the Rethink Conference, if anyone signed up for that, um, Ellie should have contacted you already and, and let you know that we're not going to be doing the Rethink Conference. That got canceled about midweek this last week. Um, and so we'll, we have your funds. We can refund if you've paid already. Um, and we're ready to do that. Um, but the conference on March 20th and 21st is canceled. Um, also, Connection Worship Night and Men's Breakfast. Uh, men's Breakfast we were going to do on April 11th. For right now, that's postponed. And Connection Worship Night was going to be um, March 24th. That also is postponed just until a later date. We're not going to, you know, obviously we're going to do those things as soon as it's um, safe and healthy for us to do so. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and just push those back and, and put them back on the calendar when it's, um, it's clear for us to do that. Um, as we gather currently online for services, we want to encourage you guys to use the online giving platform that we have set up on our website. If you go to transformcda.com, there's a give um, button you can click on if you want to give there, or you can download the Church Center app and search for Transform Ministries and you can give there. Those things are available to you. We're super thankful to be able to have online giving up and rolling and we can um, just offer that to you in times like this where we're not physically together. Um, also, if you want to mail us for any reason or mail anything to us, our P.O. Box is um, P.O. Box 3595, uh, Post Falls, Idaho, and the zip is 83877. So um, this video will be posted on Facebook and stay up there. We're hoping to take it and put it on YouTube as well. So if you need any of this information, you can always go back and check the, the video feed. Um, one more announcement I have that I want to share with you guys is Good Friday and Easter services. Um, Good Friday is going to be April 10th from 7 to 8 p.m. That's still on the cal calendar as of now. And then Easter um, Sunday, we are still leaving that on the calendar that we're going to gather um, physically together um, at our building at 6.30 a.m. for a sunrise service and 11 a.m. for a second service. We will keep you up to speed um, via social media and the website. And if you're... Um, if you're not on our email list and you want to get email updates from us, we're sending all this information or links to it out to you as often as we, um, you know, make any new decisions or kind of see the, the landscape change. So if you want to be on that email list, you can actually just comment maybe to the Facebook stream um, that you would like to be on that list or just um, email us at transformcda at gmail.com um, and you can connect with that through the website as well and, and send us an email there. So that's all I have for announcements for you guys. If you guys have any questions or any concerns, um, please feel free to contact us. 
Um, our contact information is, is out there in, in, in many different ways, but we just want to be really available to you guys. And um, Rob and Ellie and BJ and Christian and myself, um, as we talked yesterday, our heart is to provide whatever help the body needs in this time. So um, if you need things, please let us know. And if we can't physically get there, we know people in our church that want to help as well. And so we've got a team that's just ready to, to help out. Um, so let us know as things are going on what you need. Um, so as we um, we want to pray together today, and, and we're going to do this just remotely. Um, but I, I don't um, I don't want to be remote in our focus. I want to focus in on why we're praying together. Um, today is has been declared by our president a National Day of Prayer, um, and so. I'm actually going to give you a list of things that I've written down. Uh, I'd love it if you guys had your own list, but I want to give you guys a list of things that I've written down that we should be praying for regarding the COVID-19 outbreak and what's going on, not only globally, but in our region. Um, and I'm going to give you a list of things to pray for. And again, you can go back and look at these, but if one of these stands out, I just want to encourage you to write one of these down, write one of these things down. Remember one of these things, one of these things, if you want the list, we can send a list to you. But these are just some things that came to, to my mind as I wa was thinking about um, committing ourselves to prayer. Um, I'd like for us to pray for the church, for our church to be ministering in this time, to be active in that way. I'd like for us to pray for people to get saved in the midst of this. A lot of times in hardship, we know this, we've seen this in our families' lives, that people get saved in times of hardship. So let's pray for salvation for people in the midst of this struggle. Um, that they would turn to Jesus. And um, we want to pray for protection for the elderly and for those who have um, pre-existing physical conditions as this virus spreads. We want to pray that they would be um, protected um, from this and that, that um, they would be able to get diagnosed early and get the help and the care that they need, which is um, going to be an issue, is, is getting um, hospital beds and, and equipment and supplies for people. This is becoming a, a global issue right now. Um, we also want to pray for wisdom for our leaders, national and local, that the government would know what they need to do and that they would do it in a way that is um, acting in the best interest of the people. And we also want to um, pray for our local leaders to, to know what they need to do to take the right steps locally for our, uh, our people to be safe, whether it's increased restrictions on, you know, to create social distancing or um, maybe just protecting people from you know, being exposed to this in, in public places. We just want to make sure that um, we, uh, you've probably seen a lot of these charts, that curve of how many people are getting infected comes beneath the ability of our medical establishment to care for them. Um, and, and as you well know, the, this is, there's a high volume of people that recover from this that are going to be okay. They're going to get flu-like symptoms, but the problem is it's inundating our health system and, and they're having a really hard time keeping up with supplies and, and, and with just hospital beds for people. And that will that will go to a place of people not getting the kind of care that they need and that will have very bad um, after effects. So um, we want to pray that we'd be able to keep as many people healthy as possible so that this spreads slower so that um, the medical community can keep up. And in that, we want to pray for our first responders and our medical workers as well, um, that they would be able to um, keep going and endure in the midst of this. They're going to be running on very little sleep and, and working long hours. So we want to uh, support them in prayer to, to be able to continue on. And, and I think that we would be, um, we would be amiss to not pray for this to end, um, to just pray that the Lord would deliver our world from this, that he would um, cleanse this from us, that he would give us um, a real awareness as to maybe not necessarily why this is happening, but if, it, if this is a sin related issue, then we need to confess and we need to repent before the Lord. 
Um, this is something that's happened because it's, it is connected to sin in it. You know, a lot of times people will say it absolutely is and absolutely isn't. Well, I could see it being something that's both. Um, but I, I think that we all, when we see something like this happening in our world should go to the Lord in prayer and, and see and open our own hearts to him. As David would say, search our hearts, know us, try us and know our thoughts. And if there's any wicked way in us, lead us in the way that's everlasting. We need to come in confession and recognize that he is God and that he is sovereign. We need to turn to him, not like the Kings you see so often in Israel who turn to the powers that be around them, but turning to the Lord for deliverance and for salvation and for cleansing and healing. Um, we need to take practical steps. We need to be wise. But we also need to completely trust in the Lord to deliver us. And I think there's a marrying of those two ideas. So um, I'm just going to kind of blanket pray over all those things. And I want to encourage you guys, as this is a day that we should commit to prayer um, throughout the day today, as these things come up, if you write them down, pray over them as soon as it comes into your mind. Grab a person that's with you in your home and pray for them um, and, and pray that the Lord would um, use this for good and that he would protect us in this. So um, let's let's pray for that uh, together as a church. Um, Lord, we just thank you that uh, none of this is catching you off guard. Lord, none of it is surprising you. I pray, Lord, that you would um, show us, God, how we can be encouraging to one another and not judgmental. Lord, how we could not be bitter towards one another, but how we can... Um, build each other up. And so, Lord, sometimes uh, we go on either side of this in extremes. We recognize some will be way too fearful and concerned and others won't be concerned at all. Lord, we want a good balance. We want to be wise and we want to know how to do things your way. And we want to honor you. We want to protect the people. And Lord, especially I pray over the pastors of our areas. They make really difficult decisions right now, just locally in our community. I pray that you would bless them, Lord, for seeking after what's right for their people and protecting their people. And I pray, God, that you would show us how we can continue to do that in a way that glorifies you. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would protect us against um, any arrogance or any pride as if we know what everybody needs. Lord, we are submitting to your leadership. We're submitting to you as the head. And so, Lord, I pray that we would hear what your spirit is saying to our churches. And Lord, that we would be willing to take whatever steps necessary according to your leadership. And God, we ask in the midst of all of this um, that you would be doing something that only you can do, and that's saving people in the midst of peril. Lord, whether it's physically saving them from this virus or, Lord, um, saving their souls, Lord, helping them to realize that life is so fragile. Something like this, Lord, something that was really not that big of a deal to us at all when it first hit the news has now swept through our country. And Lord, I pray that you would guard us against fear, that you would help us to realize that you're not, you don't expect us or, or, or want us to go to this place of being fearful, but you want us to be wise. You want us to be ready. You want us to be useful. You want us to be bold. And so God, I pray that we would marry all those things together. Um, Lord, using common sense and using heart together. And so God, show us how we can do that. I pray that you would um, give us a graciousness towards each other as we walk that path together. And Lord, that we wouldn't um, be harsh towards each other, but loving, and that we would embrace one another and spur each other on to good works and not use harsh words to do that. So Lord, as we consider this list of things for us to pray for, for our country, for our church, for our world, Lord, I pray that we would also be remembering that this is affecting so many people and not just us. Lord, that we would be others focused through this time 
and that we would continue to pray, realizing that this battle is very much a spiritual battle, even though we see it playing out in a physical way. And so God, remind us of that and bring us to a place of prayer often. Help us to completely submit ourselves to your will in all of this and to play the world that you've called us to play. We've got a job to do as a church, and I pray that you would use especially Transform Ministries, Lord. This is our body. This is our church. Would you use us to be um, a blessing in this time and to be your hands and your feet? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys? Amen. Okay. Yes, there are still people here. They didn't all leave yet. Um, so um, in the midst of that, I just want to encourage you guys to, and then we're going to get into the word um, that... Uh, be in prayer for um, our church financially. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are going to be hurting work-wise. We trust God to provide for us. Just be praying that the Lord would provide, that he would take care of us. And um, if you guys, again, if you need things taken care of for you, we will be there and do anything that we possibly can to help. So um, let us know as, as things change if we can do that for you. Okay, so I want to ask everyone in the room and digitally, go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I do encourage you, even though I'm not in the room with you watching you turn the pages or, you know, s- scroll with your thumbs, um, get your Bible out. Even if you have to leave the room, I'll never know the difference. If you have to leave the room and run somewhere else and grab your Bible, or if you need to do a bathroom break, I'll never know the difference. So, you know, you, you have to be accountable for yourselves in that way. But um, grab a Bible if you've got one nearby you or on your device and um, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And while you find 1 Kings in your Bibles, I want to read... Um, three verses from Psalm 102 um, and encourage you with these things um, that the psalmist wrote going forward. And um, obviously this is going to be a, a topical style message today, um, kind of taking a break um, for as long as we're going to be meeting uh, via live stream. I'm, I'm going to do a series of topical messages. And once we're back together again, we'll get back into Colossians chapter three and, um, and finish that text together. Um, so here in Uh, Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27, the psalmist writes this. Long ago, you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years will never end. I want you guys to humor me for a second. And this will be awkward for the people that are in the room with me this morning, but it should be awkward in your homes as well. Um, Humor me for a second. And I want you to close your eyes and repeat after me. So I'm trusting you to close your eyes and repeat. These people have to, because they're in the room with me, but close your eyes and repeat after me. God is the same. same. (laughs) They're catching on. Let's do it one more time. God is the same. God is the same. I hope you did that at home. I hope that was really awkward and I hope you're laughing at each other right now, but I don't want you to laugh at the truth of it because God is the same. You can open your eyes now. God is the same. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that with our eyes closed made us more awkward, but it didn't make it any less true. It, It makes us feel more awkward because we're doing something weird and we don't know who's actually closing their eyes. The true Christians all close their eyes. But here's the thing. We, we understand that God is the same, but the reason I wanted you to step out of a comfort zone and to say that with your eyes closed is because it makes you think about it in a different way. God is the same. You'll probably think about that more often today. You're more likely to, um, because you did it in a weird way, but did it make us concentrate more on the truth that was said? 
God is the same. In the midst of our concern, our annoyance, our culture, our world, and our fear, God is the same. He has not changed. He is the same as he was the day that he spoke things into being. And God has not changed at all from then until now, and he will never change going forward. He is God. This is who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. It's unchanging. He created this world and everything that's in it. And while the world continues to wear out like a garment, he hasn't changed. And I think that's really important for us to recognize. And I know that a lot of these things are being said. I can't tell you how many times I heard it quoted this, this um, even by myself in the last couple of weeks that we haven't been given a spirit of fear, you know, or all these encouraging verses from, from Psalms. And they're all true. They're all true. And I think it's important that we revisit these important biblical truths because God has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He's given us these types of things. And while the world continues to wear out like a garment, God hasn't changed. And so those who belong to him can remain steadfast in a time like this. We can stand strong. We can endure. He's still God. He's still awesome. And we are his. Nothing has changed about God. Nothing in this world changes that about God. And I think that's an important distinction to make that even though circumstances in our world might change, that doesn't change God. So I think a lot of times we start reacting to certain situations we're in and, and obviously meeting digitally, we had to make some changes this week based on what's going on in our world. But that doesn't mean that God has changed and it doesn't mean that what we believe about him has changed and it doesn't change our standing with him. It just changes the place where we're physically standing right now. I'm just not standing with you in a church building, but we're still here together and we're still a body and we're still a church. The church isn't a place, it's a people. And so as long as we are remaining faithful to staying connected with one another, we can weather things like this. We can get through things like this. And because of that truth, I aim to excite you. My goal is not to, you know, just put some extra, you know, things onto you. Is there something wrong with my life? He no. Oh, you're staring at it weird. No. <laughs> Don't do it so weirdly. It's my boy. That's okay. You didn't see any of that, but weirdness was happening. So I aim to excite the church in a time like this. I want to excite the church to realize that God is still working and that a lot of times in our desperation and in our weakness, he works even more. And Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew chapter 24, and many of you will be familiar with this. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Um, Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8 says this. He's speaking to his disciples about the end times. And he says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. We see that happening. He says kingdom against kingdom. We see that happening. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. It's interesting how we have seen these things happen. And do you know that the word for pestilence, if you look at the definition, is epidemic? The word for pestilence is epidemic. We were told to expect these things. We were told to expect these things to happen. They've happened since Jesus has been gone, since he ascended to the Father. They've been happening throughout the time period leading up to now. And as we see them happen, we need to come back to Scripture and recognize he warned us about these things. We know. We know these things are going to happen. We're told to expect it. And so Jesus told us to not only expect these types of things, but to expect persecution in the midst of it. All of this as a precursor and a reminder that Jesus is coming soon, that Jesus is coming back. 
When these things happen, we are to be looking towards Christ's return. We're to be looking to him coming back. And so if God is the same and he is unchanging, then we can say this with David from Psalm 23, verse four. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so I aim to encourage you with this this morning. As far as taking scripture and spiritual truth and marrying it with practical common sense. I think that as we look at this, we're going to have to continue to navigate that. And I'll point out some things as we go through our text this morning that will encourage us in how to navigate that as well. And so first Kings 17, hopefully you're there by now. Um, this is the text that we're going to look at and it reveals three things to us. We want to walk away with this um, from this text. We're going to read the entire chapter in different, um, different sections. Three things I want us to walk away with. God will provide, God rewards, and God resurrects. All three of these will be clearly seen in 1 Kings chapter 17. So let's read the first section. It's going to be 1 Kings 17 um, verses 1 through 7. It says this. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then the word of the Lord came to him, leave here, turn eastward and hide at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. You're to drink from the Wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. And Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the Wadi. After a while, the Wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Uh, here at the introduction of Elijah's character. This is the first time we see Elijah mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 17. This is the intro to his character. Um, his entrance is a grand one. Um, Elijah enters the scene, and at the first mention of his name, he's confronting the king. He's confronting King Ahab, and he tells him this. He says, famine is coming. And, and so when we understand that famine doesn't just mean that there's going to be a little, you know, a little bit of a drought on the grocery shelves. Like this isn't like something like where, you know, it's going to be hard to find your snack cakes. Um, famine in the land means death. That means no water. That means no food. If there's no water, there's no, no sustenance for the, the vegetation. The animals will start dying. We know that this famine gets pretty ugly. This is a really gnarly famine. And so um, we know it's going to get bad. This is, this is going to lead to death. And so while this is the punishment of God upon his people that had turned to idolatry, he makes a promise to Elijah. And that's something that we want to notice here. So in verse three of chapter 17, God said, leave here, turn eastward, hide at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. He says, you're to drink from the water there. And I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. And so we aren't going to be able to break this down as much as we normally would in our study, because we want to just we want to look at what these miracles that we see happening in Elijah's ministry mean for us. Miracles have meaning. They're supposed to point us to something. And so sometimes that can be as simplistic as pointing us to God. But if we look at it and we take a closer look, we can see that it not only points us to God, but it points us to something about God. It's a very specific thing about him that we're intended to learn. And while this miracle impacts Elijah directly, it speaks to us as well. God's provision of food for Elijah, when food had been cut off for the nation, reminded those who heard about it or those who read about it, that God is the true provider for human need. God provides, even in times of famine, God provides. 
And this is a very important thing for us to remember because we start panicking when shelves start getting empty. We start panicking when, when, you know, our Amazon orders aren't going to be delivered for a couple weeks now instead of two days. And, and, and I know that we've all experienced this in some way recently, and it can cause us to start freaking out a little bit. What are we going to do? Do we belong to the Lord? Do we belong to Jesus? God is our provider. He can do that through practical or miraculous means. I don't know if you know this, but being fed by ravens is weird. That's a, that's not a normal thing. Being fed by ravens is pretty odd. And how badly do we need to remember that every day, perhaps especially today, but every day we need to remember that God is our provider and he will take care of us. You know, it's interesting because we, we read it in Matthew chapter six at the end of that chapter during the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, don't be anxious for, don't be anxious Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He says, your father in heaven knows this. He knows that you have needs. He'll take care of you. You seek first his kingdom. You seek first the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we neglect making wise decisions. What it means is that we don't let fear come in and change our job. We may change the way we do our job, but we still stay on mission. We still stay on task. And so if he can use ravens, Unclean ravens, by the way, that's a really interesting thing. That was an unclean thing, and that's how he's feeding Elijah. Brings up conversation. Um, there's there's an interesting thing that you can do a study on on your own on whether Elijah was actually a Hebrew, whether Elijah was actually an Israelite, if you will. He may have been an outsider. He may have may have been one of the Gilead settlers and not even um, Jewish at all, which is really crazy to think about. But um, that's debatable. What's interesting here is regardless of that, God used unclean ravens to feed his prophet. God gets done what he wants to get done, period. And so God is our provider. God does things his way. And we should recognize that God can do this and we trust him to do so. And so we see that God provides. And the next example in this text as we continue on is we're going to see that God rewards those who are obedient. And this is important too. Picking up in verse 8, continuing on in chapter Uh, 17, it says this, then the word of the Lord came to him, get up and go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Look, I've commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. And when he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, please bring me a little cup, a little water in a cup and let me drink. And as she went to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I'm going to gather a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. And then the woman, Elijah, the woman, Elijah and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. Now, before you go pray over your pantry, that's going to be a temptation. Because you're in your house and all the moms in the house are making a bolt for their pantry to start praying over their flower jugs. Here's the the thing. I want you to think about this. 
God provides and God rewards those who are obedient. That's not going to look the same in all scenarios. But the precedent and the, the lesson of the miracle is that he is worthy of our trust and he is worthy of our obedience. We need to trust these things to God. Truly an amazing part of this threefold lesson as God sends Elijah to this Gentile region. This isn't a, a Jewish region. He's in Sidon. He's north of Israel. God didn't limit using Elijah in, in miraculous ways just to Israel. He's using Elijah in miraculous ways for other nations as well. And so God's going to reveal his power to the Gentiles. And it's so fascinating. And this is homework for this week. If you get any extra time off, kids, as you're probably out of school, I want to encourage you. Read Luke 4, verses 26 through 27. Jesus is going to unpack this story. That's for another time. But he unpacks this story and compares Elijah's experience in Israel as their prophet to his experience in Nazareth and why he was rejected there. Amazing text to study. Um, we don't have time here this morning, but I want to encourage you guys. If you have time this week or even later today, read Luke 4 verses 26 through 27. That whole section really in Luke chapter 4. It's really fascinating to compare. While Elijah knows that this widow is supposed to provide for him. An interesting note that we see from the text. She is not aware of the plan as Elijah asked her for some food. She responds in this way in verse 12. Go and look at the text. As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and for my son so we can eat it and die. This was the end of the line. They were at the end of the line. The famine apparently hadn't just affected Israel. It was affecting north of Israel, the Gentile regions as well. And what's interesting about this is I think that we could go by this because we get right in after this. We're going to read it in a second, Elijah's response to her. But what's interesting is she had hit the end of her line, the end of her rope. And even at the end of the line, even at the end of the rope, we learned something important. God was about to show mercy and power. God was about to show his compassion and his strength, but the widow and her son had to reach the end of their supply first. In order for God to show himself powerful, they had to be in a place of utter desperation. Church, I don't think that God works any differently with us. I think that God will bring us to this place of being at the end of our rope, emotionally, mentally, Sometimes spiritually, physically, economically, God will bring us to this place where we are just at the end of ourselves. We don't have any more answers. How many of us are losing sleep right now because we just don't feel like we have any answers? Maybe for something that's happening out in our world right now, or maybe something's happening inside of our homes. We just don't have any answers. God will allow us to come to the end of the rope to show his power and his strength. That's where God shows his power and strength. If we will look to him there and seek first his kingdom with that last tiny bit of rope that we're holding on to, he will show his strength. You're like, what if I die? What if I die? Then you're with Jesus and it's glory. Death is the door that opens that leads us to this place of victory complete victory. We don't fear death. When it's Lord's timing, we welcome it because it's going into eternity with him. We don't have to be afraid of those things. 
So when we reach the end of the line, God's going to show up and do something powerful. He's going to show his strength. We need to look to him. If I die, I'm with Jesus. It's even better. It's even better. But in this situation, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Knowing the context of her being at the end of a rope, her being ready to prepare. And, and I think a lot of us can understand, you know, can kind of try and put ourselves in the shoes. We may not understand, but put ourselves in the shoes of the woman in this situation. Imagine being in a place where you are preparing the last meal for your family and then you're going to die. There is absolutely zero hope. How afraid do you think she is? How fearful? I think she's pretty desperately afraid. And Elijah looks at her and says, don't be afraid. Here's what she needs to do. Before her obedience can be rewarded, she has to take a step of faith. Before her faith can be rewarded, before her obedience can be rewarded, she has to step out in that faith and activate it. And it says this, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Did you notice that? Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. In other words, this last meal now now has another person at the table. Elijah adds himself to the table. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Elijah wasn't being rude. He knew what God's plan was. God had already told him what to say in the situation. And so remember this, people. We strengthen ourselves with what God has already told us. He will be faithful. He will not forsake us. He will provide for our needs. We hold fast to those things and we make our decisions based off of them, not in fear, but in full assurance that God is sovereign, that God is in control. And Elijah says, you don't have to be afraid because the Lord, the God of Israel says this, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. I am not pronouncing that promise over us. That was God's promise in this situation, but we can learn something from it. God rewards those who are obedient. God, as we've talked about before, it also applies here. God provides. God will provide our needs. And again, we understand this in a spiritual sense because Jesus has already supplied all that we needed to be right with the Father, our righteousness, our cleansing, our forgiveness, our sanctification. And so we know that we have everything in Christ. So if we die here, we go to be with Jesus, but he can still provide for us here and now. That's in his hands. That's in his power. That's God's ability. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because we have the word of God right here and we know what he's promised us. We have to hold fast to those things. And a lot of times our faith hasn't been active. We've known them, but our faith gets activated when we're put in situations where we have to take a step that's based on it. Where the next step is absolute faith where if this doesn't work out, she, she and her family starves. But if this works out and she steps out in faith, he has told her the Lord's going to provide until the rain and the crops grow again. That God is going to take care of her until the land can be replenished again. So she did, it says, here's her obedience. As Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Don't think for one second. What did we say at the beginning of this? When I made you close your eyes, I'll ask the room that I'm sitting in. You ask the people around you. What did we just say when we had our eyes closed? God 
you guys are wonderful in studio. God is, say it with me, God is the same. Everyone's looking at their shoes. God is the same. The same as he is here. The same as he was when he came to this earth, when Jesus came to this earth. He is the same. God is the same. He has not changed. He can still provide for us. We don't have to fear anything. There will be moments in our lives that we will be told what God has promised to do, but our faith will be tested by our doubt and by the circumstances we're in. I think that many of us may be in that that place right now. How can God use this situation? I don't see it. How is God going to provide for me? There can be so many things that we are struggling with right now in the moment, wondering how God's going to provide for because we are filled with doubt or the circumstances look too big. I want to remind you, how many times did God want his people throughout the Old Testament to look to him so that he could do something and show his strength? If we will look to God, I believe he will show himself strong. I believe he's going to do something through his church to show the world, to cause them to turn and look and see that he is alive, that he is powerful, that he is strong, if we will walk in faith. And I think that that looks, it can look like a lot of things in our practical lives. It can look like us giving things away to people when they're in need and trusting God to provide for us. I don't know what the circumstances he's going to put us in the coming weeks will look like, but I know that he's going to give us opportunity to take steps of faith and to walk in obedience to him by loving our neighbors, by loving each other. As Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for each other and by loving our neighbors, loving our enemies. When we do those things and we walk in obedience, God is going to reward that obedience. It's a biblical principle. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5 um, says this. And in verse 6, the writer quotes from Psalm 118, verse 6. And he says this, therefore, we may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We don't have to fear people. We don't have to fear circumstances because God is a rewarder. And even if that doesn't look like what we want it to in this life, he's given us everything in Christ. Cleansing, forgiveness, salvation, hope. God provides, God rewards. And here's the next thing that we're going to see. These all connect for us believers. I mean, this is just a case study for us to look at what we have in Christ. He has provided, he has rewarded, and he resurrects. God resurrects us. Look at this. Verse 17. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, man of God, why are you here? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? But Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah and the boy's life came into him again and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, look, your son is alive. Notice this part in verse 24. 
Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know you are a man of God and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Notice from this section, the very beginning um, in verse 17, not all illness is because of sin. Not all illness happens because people are, are sinning and being punished for that. Um, we, we can certainly see times in scripture where that's the truth. And there's certainly times in our lives where we should assess ourselves. Peter talks about it. First Peter, make sure that you're not suffering because of your own sin. Um, but what's interesting is we know this well, that not all illness is because of sin because of Paul's experience in second Corinthians 12. And there are, there are other passages as well, but that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Because we know that's where God told him that he wouldn't remove Paul's thorn in the flesh. Because God said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. God will allow us to be afflicted so that he can show his strength and show his power. And I think that we could spend a lifetime trying to fully embrace what it means when God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Because I have a hard time seeing perfection when I'm weak. But God says that's where his power is made perfect, is when I am weak and absolutely dependent on him. We see this as well in this, in this text. God reigns over sickness and death. God reigns over sickness and death. Sickness and death is not beyond him. Not only does he reign over sickness, meaning that he has power to control it, but he also has power to bring the, the dead back to life again. And we know this. We know this because, you know, we, you know, I don't know about you guys. When I think about resurrection, I either think about Jesus being resurrected from the dead, or I think about Lazarus. I think about Lazarus on the, you know, the, the fourth day, Lord, he stinketh coming out of the tomb, right? You know, like that, that's what comes to mind. He has power not only over our sicknesses, but he has power to heal us from them, but he has power over death itself. And I think that as believers, we go, yeah, but what if I die? Then it's over. No, if you die, you go to be with Jesus. If you die, you go to be with Jesus. We don't have to fear these things. Sickness is a part of life and death is the destiny for all of us, should the Lord tarry. That's going to apply to all of us. But we don't have to fear these things. Now, we're supposed to use common sense. We're not supposed to put ourselves in, in, in the pathway of being harmed or, or having ourselves, you know, become ill or get hurt. or all these We're supposed to use our minds as well. We're supposed to use common sense. It's, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, the, the, the way that I could demonstrate this in the most powerful way to you is that I believe this is the smartest thing to do by meeting with you online right now. <laughs> Like I'm teaching online because I think this is the most common sense thing to do right now, not out of fear, but out of love for the body to protect people. And it's interesting. We would never say a police officer lacks faith for wearing a bulletproof vest. We would never say that he lacks faith for doing that. And so we should not hesitate to take common sense precaution as we feel the Lord lead us to do so. He read the Levitical law was all about taking the right precautions. They weren't to throw those things out completely. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't going to save them, but a lot of the cleanliness and the things that they did made a lot of sense. It made a lot of practical sense. And if we have that instruction from the word, we can apply that. Now, sometimes the Lord's going to supersede these things, but we don't willingly put ourselves in harm's way we do what we can to marry our faith in Christ with the common sense and the mind that he's given us. He's given us both heart and mind. He expects us to use them both. And so it's important that we marry those ideas together, that we walk in faith, but we also use the knowledge that we have. 
We don't fear sickness and death. God's sovereign over them. Absolutely. And we need to be willing to put ourselves in a position to take care of each other. And we need to be sure to spend a lot of time in prayer, as our leadership team has in this church, spend a lot of time in prayer and in discussion and seeking the Lord's will on how we can do that best for our people. As indeed, um, God has called me to shepherd. An under-shepherd under him, but shepherd. And that means that I not only feed, but I protect. That's my calling, is to protect those who are in my care. We're to find the balance between proper application of reason and walking by faith in the Lord. He gave us both aspects, and we're not meant to use either or. We don't fear because our God resurrects. We're not afraid. God resurrects. God can bring people who are dead back to life again. As, as Elijah cries out and stretches himself out over this boy three times, says, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. The Lord listens to Elijah. The boy's life came into him again, and he lived. Elijah takes the boy, brings him down, shows him to his mom, says, your son is alive. God brought him back. The woman says to Elijah, now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. I want us to notice this, and please don't misunderstand me. Um, I think that each of us has to really seek after what the Lord is calling us to do in situations like this um, and what we're going through right now with COVID-19. But I want us to be seeking what God has called us to do, not, not succumbing to a fearful response. And, and, and a local pastor said this really well this last week. He said, you know, we, we are not reacting to this situation. We are responding to this situation. A reaction is something you don't think about. A response is something that you do think about, that you consider, that you pray over. I really appreciate that. Um, and that's what we want to do is respond when things in our world are going on and looking to the Lord, crying out to the Lord. That's what Elijah did. When something happened, he turned to God and he cried out to God for help. The woman said to Elijah, I know that you're a man of God and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. This is what we'll close with, church. What the widow learned from this amazing resurrection of her son by God's power she understood who Elijah served. She understood who the God of Elijah was. By meeting Elijah, she came to know who God was. That's important. By meeting the prophet of God, she interacted with God because God's power was so powerfully present in him. That's what we want. We want God's power so powerfully present in us that when people interact with us, it's connecting them to him. It's giving them, that's what an image bearer does. It's giving them a, not only a picture, but an interaction with him through words and actions that are spirit led, that are not foolish and that don't lack faith, but are spirit led. She understood who Elijah served and she also understood that what he said was the Lord's word and that it was true. Not only through meeting him and knowing that he was a man who belonged to God, but that what he said came from the Lord's mouth. God allows us to come to the end of our rope, to test us, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And knowing that we should let that endurance, as James says in James chapter 1, have its full effect 
so that we can be mature and complete and not lack anything. God allows our faith to be tested. Don't forget that. Don't be surprised when the testing comes. God allows it. And I want you guys to be thinking about this. Are we growing and allowing our faith to mature to have that endurance? Are we allowing that to happen or are we allowing fear to come in and stop the growth process in the midst of our current situation? We'll be in these situations throughout our lives. We're going to go through them in a family setting, in an individual setting. In a, we get a very unique opportunity right now. This is a worldwide setting. This is a pandemic setting. And a lot of people may say it's much ado about nothing. Every situation we're in is an opportunity to grow. Don't miss it. Don't blow off an opportunity to exercise your faith. Don't blow off an opportunity to see that God provides, to watch God reward through obedience and to watch God resurrect. Take something that was dead and bring it back to life again. We need to understand these aspects about God. We need to connect with him again and grow our faith. The Lord is our helper. We do not have to be afraid. What can men do to us? What can physical things in this world do to us in comparison to the salvation that is steadfast and unmovable in the hand of our Savior? Something we should never forget. It's something that a situation or a even a disease or a virus like COVID-19 can remind us of. That we, we belong to him and that he'll use this to strengthen our faith. In the midst of that faith strengthening process, it activates us. And the church has just been called up to duty. And so let's show up big. Let's do what we're here to do. Let's take care of each other. Um, that's what our church aims to do. We are a small group of believers, but um, the Lord doesn't need a lot of people to get a lot of work done. Read Judges. <laughs> Judges all about. He doesn't need a massive army to get his work done. God can get it done with a very small number of people who are just willing to follow him into battle. So let's be those who are willing to follow him into battle. Use our heads, use our hearts, marry the two together and um, be useful for his kingdom. Let's bow our heads together and I'm just gonna play a song to end our time and um, encourage you guys, any questions or any concerns or anything going on, um, please feel free to email um, or to text us or just be in contact with the church. We are ready to help and it's what we're committing our time to is just responding and helping the body out. So um, entrusting it to you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes and, and we'll pray together.